What's up, people? Hotel Jesus. We back with another uncomfortable conversation. I'm still getting used to my new streaming software, so uh, a lot of stuff that's, um, as you can see, I'm used to like sending the stream signal to, um, I'm used to sending the stream signal in and then hitting live on YouTube, but apparently through OBS, it's going to make me automatically go live. So here we are. Y'all caught me off guard. But anyway, I'm Hotep Jesus. Three-time, four-time tech startup co-founder. I'm in AI, artificial intelligence. We do camera vision analytics. That's Wazo AI, WazoAI.com. Shout out to Jazzy, our first major investor, six-figure invested. Appreciate you, homie. Um, so if anybody else wants to uh, invest in one of our tech companies, it's definitely possible, definitely doable. Just reach out to me. Also, uh, I mean, uh, Bitcoin. If you guys aren't purchasing Bitcoin, coinbitsapp.com. All those links are in the description box below. It only costs a dollar per transaction. One of the cheapest ways to buy Bitcoin around the world. Actually, I should just say USA. We're not available internationally yet. And Jevitize, the grifter's favorite app. Available on, only on iOS right now. Android version is being worked on by our dev. Our lovely dev. Now, uh, these uncomfortable conversations will live not only on SoundCloud, but also um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And then I'll work my way getting them into like Alexa and these other platforms. But those were submitted today, so that stuff should be up and ready to go. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you, I'm my guest, Michael Malice. Michael Malice, what's up, bro? I'm eating almonds. <laughs> almonds? Are they, are they uh, whole or sliced? Whole. They're, they're whole, baby. Oh, wow. You're, you're, you're really, you're really... Uh, living you're, the life. Yeah, you're living the life. What is that? What is that? Like keto diet or something like that? No, no, uh, oh, they're big on the on nuts. Yeah, they're high calorie, high fat, no carb. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. No, no, just mm. eating my almonds. Dope, dope. So before we even get into this, the first thing I want to. Hey, do you want to see my Kamala Harris impression? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> that pig of a woman. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we get into this, I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, why? Um, you are, you the... are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all watch this show, y'all should catch that joke. But yeah, like my first in-studio interview was with you. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. Yeah, you like were the first one to really put me on the map and like dis discover me, so to speak. I think Sunny Johnson was the first one to publish the Hoteps on Breitbart. We were the, that she was the first one to actually write a, a blog about you. And you were like the first person to to interview me like way before like you know anybody so the first time question was like why <laughs> why you know normally like people try to go for like popular people or something like that and it was just like you chose this no-name guy out of nowhere to come on your show uh i i'm from brooklyn um, i've lived here all my life and i really don't like how race is discussed in america and it's done by either um bougie whites or bougie blacks and it's basically this pantomime that does not at all port to 
what many people speak about or think about, especially mm. not that I'm some living in the ghetto here exactly, but when you live in Brooklyn, you're gonna have a different perspective than if you're in the Midwest, of course. And when you did that prank with Starbucks, um, I'm like, okay, this guy is going to be, knows how to talk. And he also uses humor, which is my you trolling in my background, but also that you're gonna have something smart to say, and we're gonna be able to have an intelligent conversation. And I think there is a, um, by design, a, an attempt to silence um, non-textbook voices from any group that is currently being exploited by the corporate press to further its agenda. So if you're in any way idiosyncratic to gays or Muslims or black Americans or whatever, they want to vanish you because what they want to say is, oh, this group all thinks like this and I'm speaking for them. So just do what I say and then you're going to be a good person. And then when someone like you comes along or many other people, it's like, well, we can't call him racist, although I'm sure they probably do. <laughs> but if we pretend he doesn't exist, then we don't have to engage with this you know, whole school of thought. So I'm like, well, I don't like that. So if I have the capacity to flip over that table and talk to people, and it's also interesting. I mean, you know, one of the things that uh, like progressives do get say fairly, I will never know what it's like to be black in America. Mm -hmm. And the closest I can get is actually talking to black people instead of just sitting down and imagining, well, if I was in this restaurant, I was darker. Where would they sit me? Well, I could ask someone, you know, like, what's it like for you? So I think that is the best way to have any kind of improvement about race is to communicate with people and with people who don't have a chip on their shoulder oh. or an agenda of that's very, very transparent. Oh, that's deep. Um, so why do progressives, why are progressives trying to ignore that I exist? Is it like trying to keep control of the narrative? Don't you think? I mean, you yeah. have a better perspective than I do because it's, I mean, it's like when Biden said, uh, if you're not voting for me, you ain't black to Charlemagne. Yeah. And he did it jokingly, but, and I don't think he meant to be particularly offensive by it, but behind it, uh, there is just this perspective. It's like, you don't need to think, it, you might even make the argument that if every black person sat down and thought things through, the choice should be Biden. But to present it as if you need to think about it. Like you're black, it's done. Just go home. Yeah. You know, take, yeah, don't even think about it. So that is the disturbing subtext to it. Uh. Um, so people like you, again, lots of other uh, um, idiosyncratic personality types I just find very interesting. Uh. And I, you would have a better answer than me. Why do, why do they pretend you don't exist? And the other hoteps. I know they're just, I mean, black conservatives also, they, they try to, you know, not engage with them mm. or make them into be caricatures. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, they want to, like you said, like if, if they hide one side of the argument, they don't have to acknowledge it. They don't, you know, they can kind of just keep control of the narrative story, you know. Um, I think it's just a matter of control and, and, yeah. and, and perception, right? Like, don't show them this guy because niggas might start thinking. <laughs> Yeah, like they will talk about like black pride, but it's black pride under white control mm. in, in a subtext. It's not this kind of 1920s. We're going to make our own culture. We're going to have our own lives. You know, you know, we're not a function of you. And that is a problem because you are there to be a function of them. And if you don't want to have anything to do with them, then you're a threat to their uh, power. Indeed, indeed. And I say you broadly, I mean you specifically. Right, right, right.
How much time I got with you tonight? Got 90 minutes. Is that cool? That's perfect. Um, Kent the Rose Super Sorry. Chat, he said, wow, I can't believe you're interviewing Joe Jurgensen's surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was reading your Wikipedia dossier. Yeah. File, and it said that you don't vote. Yes, sir. I do not believe in voting. Yes. Is that still the case? Oh, I will never vote. No, no, no. I absolutely. That is still the case. I do not think anyone can speak for me. Um, the idea that someone who represents me on tax policy is going to be the one who represents me on uh, international policy is going to represent me on, you know, uh, school choice is and I got to be locked in for four years. Plus, it, it, voting is, the, is one of the craziest things because it's like I go in that booth like if I go to any store. Right. Yeah. And I say, I want that soda. I want that car. I want that book. I want that suit. I get that soda. I get that book. I get that car. I get that suit. I go into this booth. I say, I want this person to represent you, represent me. And they're like, well, too bad. Everyone else wanted somebody else. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, this is who speaks for me. This person represents me. Nah, no, they don't. But I'm telling you, I want this person to be my sender. You don't. Because other people want somebody else. It's like, what? Uh, it makes no sense to me at any level. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I got a lot of flack for saying I don't vote. I don't vote. I just don't. I can't. And it's, it got black people lying. What were you about to say? I mean, I was going to say, I think it's very different racial terms because it's like for a long time, you know, for people, blah, 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 blah. Selma, the, the German shepherds, fire hoses, those people laid down their lives and now you're spitting in their face. I think it's different uh, when with black people to some extent. Yeah, uh, you know, they say black people have, uh, well, died for the right to vote. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, they died for the right to vote or not to vote. <laughs> or they fought, they died for the right to be free. Yeah. So if you're not voting and you're free, I'm sure all those people were like, you know what? If you got better things to do, take care of your family, your business. We Our job is done. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. Uh, we're going to rip through some of these topics I got here. And then we're going to get into that book you told me about. Because I, oh, yeah. I started reading some of it and that thing is. Wow. Um, anarchy, you're an anarchist, right? Yes, sir. Uh, anarchy gets a bad rap. Um, a lot of people. I don't know about rap. That's you people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Being racist. <laughs> he just said you people. <laughs> but, you know, like Trump uses it out of context. My homie Chad, he's an anarchist. I, you know, uh, when we talk conservative, liberal and all this stuff, I consider myself in that context anarchist. Like I'm riding with the anarchist. I'm not rocking with conservatives. I like them better than liberals, but sure. I'm rocking with anarchists. So tell me about, um, I guess, why anarchy is the choice um, and um, I guess the bad rap it gets. Well, I don't know that the rap is always bad, but I'll get to that in a second. Anarchy is the choice because anarchy is just the understanding that all uh, political authority is illegitimate. And in fact, there's no even remotely good argument to say why political authority is legitimate other than, well, you can't think of anything better. That's, I mean, if, even if something is like this, the best we got, that is not a philosophical defense ideologically of a worldview. Um, and I don't think it's uh, what we got is the, the best of all worlds. And I don't see how anyone could open up their window, look outside America today and be like, this is as good as it's going to get. It will never get any better. That, that's nonsensical on its face. Um, so that is basically just anarchy in a nutshell. Everything else is application. 
And it's the premise that, you know, having us locked into a polity based on geographical proximity is landline technology in a post cell phone world. Me and you are in a relationship right now. We're getting off the phone, we'll be pals, but you know, you have your family, you have your friends, we come together, we come apart. Having a government means everyone's locked together with people they would hate uh, for no reason for extended periods of time. So an anarchist system is one where relationships are very fluid mm. and contextual. Mm. Uh, I have a very close relationship, let's say, with my doctor. It's not going to be the same relationship I would have with my wife. You know what I mean? It, they're both close in certain, they're both intimate. So you, it's to have politics be part of every aspect of your life, which is increasingly the case is the exact opposite of anarchy. And anarchism is also based on judging people and how they treat you and whether they're decent people as opposed to whether they agree. I mean, uh, if none of my friends have the same taste in music I do, well, all that matters is we're not gonna go to the concerts together. And sometimes probably will, maybe they'll drag me one of theirs, I'll drag one of their, I'll drag one of mine. But to have us all locked in together on like every issue, it does not make sense to me uh, at all. And as for why it gets a bad rap, well, a lot of contemporary anarchists are not familiar with the history, but back in the day in the late 1800s, the early anarchists were very much about violent uprising, uh, throwing over the government, having this kind of equality uh, through in a sense of force. So they were the ones who really were throwing bombs literally. Um, mm. So a lot of this uh, Antifa does have its roots in the 1880s, 1890s uh, schools of uh, anarchism. Mm. Uh, very kind of, they had a very mixed at best relationship with uh, violence towards the state and towards uh, capitalist powers. Mm. As a means to an end of the politics, they chose violence. Their, their answer would be the government is using violence against us to keep us oppressed and poor so this is just self-defense. When we're not allowed to work in this factory because this rich person has basically starved us to all by giving us poor wages, having violence, you know, having us run the factory is in their eyes self-defense and not initiating violence would be their point. You were born in Ukraine, right? In the Soviet Union, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're no stranger to socialism and communism at all. Oh, no, sir. So. My question is this, right? I uh, when I first started getting into studying what communism socialism is, I started taking a look at the United States. And I'm like, wait, we live in a communist nation. And then I started thinking about the Constitution and the Federation, and I'm like, wait, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights was the first document to create communism in the United States by taking all 13 colonies. Am I right in saying that or am I a little off or? I don't know about communism, but it's certainly centralized things. And the argument was the constitution is going to create a limited government, right? We hear this to this day. It's been 200 years, we have data. The constitution has been successful in creating the largest government the world has ever seen. So if I give you a recipe and I say this recipe is for cupcakes and you put it in the oven and out comes a demon, you're not gonna say this recipe is good, I just cooked it wrong. You followed the recipe. People told you it was going to create a demon. You're like, no, it doesn't look what it says, it's sugar. And then why do these demons keep coming out of my oven? Because yeah, the constitution has, and the thing is, you know, when people think, well, if they just wrote it differently, 
the outcome would have been different. There's many instances in the Constitution where it says Congress shall make no law, right? Like free, they'll say, oh, well, it's different for political speech or it's different for hate speech. When it says shall make no law, and you're like, well, there's exceptions, you know that it, what's written there doesn't matter and people are gonna do what they want to do if they have the power to do so, regardless of what's written on a piece of paper. Like some animal farm type thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, when we said no law, we meant no law that was bad. <laughs> These are all good laws, so they're not really laws. <laughs> but I mean, if you talk to any lawyer, th their whole job is to figure out how to work their way around what is written and get you the outcome that you want. Mm, mm, indeed. Uh, Matthew Everson, the world needs more converse, uh, conversations between influential transgressive thinkers. But I guess we He's can settle for trans. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we can settle for whatever you guys bring to the table. What up, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Block said, uh, please ask Michael why he doesn't debate leftists on anarchy and more general libertarian ideas. I don't debate people. Okay. I don't think it's, it's, a, it's a good use of time. I'd rather have a conversation even with someone I disagree with. Um, I think debates are, um, uh, I had one debate with uh, the very failed podcaster, Tom Woods, kicked my ass. I think debates are very um, often tribal. Like it's like sports, you know, you can root for your guy, you root for the other guy, and then becomes intellectually disingenuous. Mm -hmm. Now I can play that game. I'm good at using wordplay and whatever, but I don't think it's a good use of my time. If I were to debate someone, it would be, an event, you know, then you can kind of have an audience and have it be a thing. And that's kind of a lot of fun when it's like putting on a show. But I just, I, I, my, what I, what brings me joy is, is uh, being fun and having fun and arguing with people, especially people who are often not interested in actual discourse. To me, the cost and benefit analysis is not there. Uh, and you see this, you, you, you also do the same thing. You block people very liberally yeah. because you're like, my time is precious. Yeah. You're not, I'm not going to waste five seconds on you when you're not benefiting my life or the life of the people I care about. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Time is precious. You worked on wall street. What'd you do on wall street? I was, I did tech support for Goldman Sachs. This was a, a JP Morgan. This was a very long time ago. Oh. It was a, not a fun experience. You were an ad hoc computer geek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year was that? This would have been up to 2003, so 2000, 2003. Wow. Back in the day, so yeah. a long time ago. That's what I used to do, computer support. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It is. It's tough. It's tough work. It's boring, um, and, too. It's boring, and I did not like the environment at all. Were you on Wall Street also? No, I worked okay. for uh, L'Oreal. Oh, that's different because this is, I mean, it's, it was a very nasty environment. It was the kind of thing where if you weren't interested in doing overtime, it didn't make sense to them because the firm needs you. And I'm like, why the hell am I busting my ass to make Goldman Sachs more money? Like what it's getting, I, I'd rather have my time and this made no sense to them, but the firm needs you. Kid, the fuck do I care? Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah, I used to write raps while I was at L'Oreal. Yeah. And then I got fired because. Oh, there was one time. Oh, God. This is when I first. Oh, this, this, that's, you reminded me. I forgot about this. When I first started being one of your writer, I would use the printer, that big laser printer, and I'd do my manuscript 400 pages at a time. And, <laughs> and one of the people, the coworkers, was like, oh my God, people are wasting firm resources. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, someone's just printing out a book. And I'm like, oh my God, that's outrageous. <laughs> you got to use company resources. What are you guys doing? 
Oh my, what a, I can't, oh, I'm so sorry that Goldman Sachs is out half a ream of paper and all that ink. Right. It's, my God, I, I, this is unconscionable. Yeah. You're an accomplice. Huh? I guess I was like one of the early looters because it's like they got insurance. It's fine. I'm just going to take what I need from this company. Oh, fuck them. They got it. It's in the budget. Mm -hmm. um, press one in the chat if my audio is better today. Press one in the chat if my audio is better today. You're an accomplished writer. Okay. I'm trying to be an accomplished writer. Oh, it's tough. Um, you got any tips for, you know, I guess book writing? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I can answer you very easily. Okay. Find a book that's in the genre that you're trying to do that's terrible. Mm. And then you sit down and you identify every single mistake that author made. Mm. And if you go through your book and don't make those stupid mistakes, you're at a B. And if you're at a B out of a grade, that's fine. You're fine. Okay. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Appreciate that. It's a lot easier to learn how to not make mistakes than learn how to be good. You're, neither of us are going to be these amazing Hemingway great figures. And if you sat down and try to figure it out, it, it's, it, it, you know what I mean? It's like trying to, but if you're like, okay, this guy's an asshole, this, this author, I just don't want to be an asshole. I want to be okay and confident. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what did he do? Okay. Why is this wrong? Why is this? Oh, okay. This is why that's bad. Right. I wish I could rec I wish I could recommend a book. Like it depends on the subject. There's some books I like. There's this one book for humor that I read. I'm like, this book is a perfect teaching tool because it's completely devoid of humor. Mm. So it's just great to reverse engineer. Okay. If you guys wonder why I'm looking down, I'm looking at Mike through my phone. You were in North Korea. Um, you never been? No. Nah, yeah. You know, I, I thought about vacationing there a few times. <laughs> why did you go to North Korea? What was that all about? Like, what was that like? Um, when I first had a little bit of money in my pocket, I thought I'm going to go start traveling more. Okay. And I thought this, A, I would have a lot of party cred if I go to North Korea. And I also thought I was going to do a book on it. Wait, party I, cred? What do you mean party cred? Like if I'm at a party, I'm like, where's the coolest place you've been? Oh, like, okay. You know, if, if I drop North Korea, I win every argument. You definitely do. Even, yeah. yeah. Number two, I guess be like Eritrea or something like that, or Turkmenistan. And... You know, being from the Soviet Union, uh, being Jewish, these were chances my family would have been in a concentration camp. They have concentration camps right now. If you go on Google Earth, you could see their concentration camps. So I'm like, I want to know what it's like to live in a country like this. If you go to Russia now, it's not going to be anything like what was when we left, even in the 70s, let alone 100 years ago. Mm. So it was, you know, very, very um, intense. Uh, there's nothing else like it on Earth, thank God it's impossible to describe because it's like this. If I, you ask me, what's it like going to um, like Miami? It, it, I mean, I could still go on and on for days and that's a lot closer to what you and I are used to. Yeah. So if you think about how every single aspect of that country is alien to what you and I have grown up with, it, it's, you could just talk about it. And also it's just like the sights, the smells, the noises, everything is not what you know. So it's a complete bombardment of alienness. Uh, and there's no contact with the outside world. So there's uh, you lose a sense of time, which is very hard to explain. Right. They don't let you communicate with the outside world. There's right? no internet. Uh, so every day is the same. You don't have a, your phone. They take your phone at the airport. So like you have no idea. It's like a bubble. And since the people are very regimented, Monday and Tuesday are identical. It's not like, oh, tonight's, you know, the Seinfeld's on TV. They don't have that. 
So every day other than weekends is the same and you're there and just the days run together. It's, it's very, very odd. So what do you do when you're out there? You just... So when you go there, they put you on a tour, right? Okay. That, that sounds a lot crazier than it is. Like, cause if you and I went to London, we could go on a tour and they'd show us around London or something like that. Right. Um, so every minute is kind of accounted for. Um, you get to interact with the people a lot more than people would think. And, you know, they show you to different places, you know, they show you around. Um, it's, it's just, just very fascinating. I was, I was encouraging people that they should go. It's actually safer there than here, because when you're going, you're going as a guest of the government. So people know not to mess with you. Like okay. you are, Otto on beer was a very big exception because if you're visiting the you know, America and you break into the white house and start stealing posters, you know, they're not going to be like shaking their finger. They're going to tackle you at the very least the secret mm. service. So don't go trespassing when you're in North Korea. That's, mm. and, and you know not to do this. This, mm. this, this, this is one-on-one type stuff. So it's very, very, very sad what happened to him. But it's not the kind of thing that would happen to, you know, anyone at any time, really. Can you party out there? They drink hard. Even oh. the women, they drink really, really hard. Okay. So at the end of every night, we, we pound. I don't drink, and I want. I, I was writing a book, so I could not let my guard down because if I started talking, I could have gotten in extreme danger. Um, plus, I wanted to see what people were like when their lips started flapping a little what bit. What do you more. mean extreme danger? Why? Because you're a foreigner. In no, a if you if you start talking about their leader and their government. Oh, oh okay. Now you're a spy, ah. and that's the death penalty. So, uh, you know, they are trained that all Americans are spies. And in this sense, in a very broad sense, I was. I was there to get information about the country to write my book. So, uh, you know, the, and they would be looking for excuses to get rid of me. So I don't mean rid of me, kill me, but get rid of me, maybe deport me or something. So I had to be very much on my guard um, the, the whole time. Were they cordial? They treated you okay? Oh, extremely. Very warm, very friendly. Uh, I, being in a New Yorker, I did a trick. I made a point to wave everyone in their face because then I knew the reaction would be sincere, you know, because people are, are not going to be able to be on. And it was just like you would think they're very normal, which is kind of makes it even more tragic. Uh, and the funniest part is the one people with one group who weren't having it were the teenage boys in their tracksuits or young men who just kind of look you over and just chew their gum and turn away, you know, with their Adidas. It's like, okay, we have you guys back home. You know, these young, young dudes with the attitude. It's cool. But it's good to know that you're nor that there's some element of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's dope. Um, staying on the topic of socialism, uh, I noticed that there was um, a, a communist power in uh, Russia, uh, and then it seemed to like transfer to the United States. Are you familiar with, were these the same leaders that moved to the United States and brought communism here? Or was it infiltration? Like why does it exist today when it started in Russia? Uh, this is gonna be part of the topic of my next book. Okay. Because it, and it's, we have contemporary um, resonance of that from back in the day. But basically the idea was uh, when the Russian Revolution happened in 1917, everyone in the left, in the West, the lefties were excited because this was their chance to have an experiment to see if it would actually work. And they wouldn't have the responsibility because the people who were being murdered are Russians. So it's like, well, it's not our people, so who cares? And they kept making excuses for uh, the torture, the concentration camps, the starvation, the murders, the rapes. Uh, whatever atrocity happened, 
they would find a reason to excuse it. Um, and, you know, if you listen to to this day, what we're taught in high school, the worst thing about communism is that people who were communists weren't able to get jobs after they were found out. This isn't that it's presented as, oh, they just had a different point of view. These were people in America who were organized secretly to try to have violent overthrow of the government under control of a foreign nation that would lead to the complete seizure of all U.S. property. And they're treating it like, oh, they just vote a Green Party. It's not, you know, these are people who handed over the atomic bomb to Stalin, who had murdered by starvation, by intentional starvation, many millions of people in Ukraine. Uh, he, you know, targeted every ethnic minority in the Soviet Union, forced them to move so that they would stop thinking themselves as their own people and start thinking themselves as Russian. It is just a endless horror show. And it's no surprise that we're not taught about in the West because the same entities, the New York Times, uh, for example, who have all this blood on their hands have never had to atone for what they did back in the day. And that's what I'm about to change, hopefully. Oh my God, wow, okay. So were there any individuals who went from the Soviet Union to American government positions? No, what they would very cleverly do, because you can't really leave the Soviet Union. And if so, what they would do is they would kind of um, have people here who they would recruit or people here right. would reach out to them. Right. Henry Wallace was FDR's second vice president. Um, he was there during the third term. He visited a concentration camp in the Soviet Union. They literally put on a song and dance for him, a show. And he came back, he goes, oh, it's fine what they have there. They're, the people are happy in these prison camps. Um, and he was best, he would be writing letters to Stalin. And he, we were this close to having him as president. Uh, the head of the DNC fought tooth and nail to get him kicked off the ticket. He did get kicked off the ticket for Harry Truman. FDR died a few months later. And I forgot the guy's name, but he said, I wanted to say my tombstone that I kept Henry Wallace away from the White House. So there was another one, Alger Hiss. He was very high up in the government. And again, just like today, when people were saying, this guy is up to no good, it's not that he has lefty views. He's feeding information to this our enemy state who mm. has tortured, oppressed millions of their own people. Mm. And the media would talk about, oh, you're paranoid. This is just anti-Russian propaganda, blah, 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 blah. And when it was found out and proven that he really was an agent, an agent, card-carrying member, of you know the communist party they still haven't forgiven people for this mm. i mean this was one of the reasons why nixon was so hated by them because he was part of outing uh, uh this guy i think he was like assistant secretary of state this is some random guy you know teaching at some school this is very high up in the government so there were a lot of types like this and uh, people mm. who really thought we were the bad guys stalin was the good guy because it's a country based on equality and no profit and no companies and we got it. And there was it, in the communist ideology, there is this sense of it's good to lie for the sake of the cause, because that shows how dedicated you are and what a strong person you are. Mm. So they took pride in their propaganda. They took pride in their duplicity because they were doing it for to show their strength. That's how you know you're a real strong man when little concerns like human life and caring about you know day-to-day -day things are beneath you mm, mm. so 
today there are like communists and socialists running around um it's not controlled by the soviet union right no sir right so it's just the idea has just survived and people have yes. picked it up yes and and it's many of the same organizations that are still have been around for uh, you know a very long time like which ones the universities i mean this is where they planted their seeds and this is where for a long time they've been spewing out this kind of garbage for decades I mean, the whole uh, early progressivism, the early 1900s, was based on the idea that we're going to train this entire population of elites. And they talk, th this is language everyone's familiar with. We're going to train the next generation of leaders. They say leaders. Okay, that sounds nice, right? But what they mean is we're going to have a whole population who are going to be the next arist arist aristocracy over everybody. And they're going to follow this hardcore socialist worldview. And we are going to train them to believe and train the regular people to believe that they are sincerely better and that it is absolutely appropriate that they're managing things. Mm. And you see this every five minutes and every channel you can count whenever any politician starts talking, you, you read between the lines. It's not that subtle usually. Mm. Mm. Crazy. Uh, Logan uh, Shoemaker said, uh, ask Mike what books I should read on progressivism. Um, uh, there's a lot um uh, give me a couple of years because i'm gonna I'm, this is gonna be the one after this next one but i i mean i don't have a good uh, the illusion of victory is a good one it's about how Walter wilson screwed up um world war one um uh rothbard's the progressive era is okay um it's it's tough because it's so spread out by design that it's hard to put the pieces uh, um, together. Uh, Illiberal Reformers is another excellent one. And The War for Righteousness is one I just finished last week. Mm, nice. Um, Matthew uh, said, two of my favorite personalities sharing a screen. Love you too. Love you too, Matt. Thank you. Um, uh, Solar Bear said, any uh, Foucault, Foucault uh, recommendation? Oh God, he's the worst. Foucault? No, he's horrible. He's absolutely horrible. No. Who's that? No. Who was this guy? He was one of the first like a critical theorists. And basically he's the one who had this idea that, or there's a bunch of them and Lacan's another one. And basically like everything you read has to be read in terms of race or gender. And, you know, everything is about, you know, oh, this person's really this, this person's really that. And you're starting with the conclusion that if it's a white person, it's written, it's racist. If it's a black person, it's, it's for fighting racism. And you reason your way backward. It just completely reduces everything to stupidity. And it's really kind of, it's this kind of thing like, oh, if you move into a black neighborhood, it is um, uh, gentrification. If you move out of it, it's white flight. Yeah, if you start with the conclusion that this group is doing everything bad all the time, this group is doing everything good all the time, you stop looking at people like human beings, and but it's like i know what you're going to say when you read any book you're not creating anything of interest and that kind of was the start of what we're seeing you know to this day in contemporary politics and culture indeed indeed um you worked with dl hughley yes sir how'd you get connected with that project um do i have his book here you like help he he co-wrote that book two of them yeah, yeah two of them yeah so just to let you know, whenever I was writing the N-word, I gave someone else my keyboard. So I never, <laughs> I, I never typed it. So just, just so we're clear. That's uh, the whole chat. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I, I basically met with him with through his agent and my agent, and we really hit it off. Uh, he's another voice. Who they reached I, out to you? 
yeah, to my agent, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, there was another project that fell through. Uh, we met, had a meeting. Uh, he's uh, even though he's very left, he's also very uh, um, thinks for himself. Uh, he doesn't always take positions that people would expect. Um, he's very anti-hypocrisy. Uh, he's a great, great dude. I learned a lot from working with him. Mm, mm. Dope. We got about 60 minutes left here. Um, I want to ask you about uh, COVID, pandemic. And scamdemic? What, scamdemic. So, yeah, it's a scam to you too, huh? It's a complete scam. It's a complete scam. What's, the, it's uh, what's the end game for this? We, a lot... Whatever, let's pretend COVID's 100%, everything they say is real. Let's pretend. Okay. Let's pretend for two seconds. A lot of very bad people have gotten a lot of very useful information about what Americans will put up with. Like they, right? You, even if it's 100% real, they know we can tell you sit in your house and shut up and don't leave. And not only will everyone do it, they will go on the streets and yell at the people who aren't doing it. And we have the, we have the evidence, right? There's the data is in. They ran the experiment, so that's number one. Number two is, uh, and I, I tweeted this out, it's gonna have to be, I'm gonna guess 2023 about, when we're gonna have to start having conversations about politicians having personal consequences for some of the crap that they've been pulling. Mm. Because there's, I whenever I travel, uh, some for me, like I'm not a touristy traveler, I don't like necessarily go to the museums, but it's good to have like a little goal. For me, whenever I go to a city, I like the weird ice cream place. It's fun, it's creative, whatever. The best one is in New York, Ice and Vice, closing after I think seven years. Century 21, clothing store where I sat as a kid, bored out of my mind because my mom, immigrant mom, would look at the cheap clothes because affordable clothes, but it's like designer clothes for cheap. My entire life, they're closing. Uh, it's the ultimate American dream when you're not a corporation, you're a family, you're a dude, you're a woman, you make a business, you bust your ass, you create something, you're your own boss, you don't answer anybody. Those are the first people whose lives were destroyed by this stuff. And there's been no, uh, we bailed out the banks, remember? Under Obama, uh, at the end of President Bush, they bailed out every one of those banks except for one. Yeah, All these restaurants, all these restaurants, all these clothing stores, bookstores, whatever they are, too bad. And that, I mean, in this case, it, it literally is not the banks. It was, you could pretend it's not their fault. Let's pretend this, there's no way you're going to argue that it's ice and vice's fault that COVID hit. You're not going to, you cannot say that with a straight face, right? No, nothing to be done for company after company, whereas the big corporations, they're thriving. So even if you think it's all true, the consequences are so despicable that it is, it should be very, very disturbing to a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, I saw it like a consolidation, right? Yes. So they they basically, you know, took a like JC Penny. A lot of these businesses are just like going out of business. Yep. And it's just like so the big guys can come in and just buy you out. Yep. yep Take yep. over your retail space and then you know everything's gonna be like an Amazon store. Yeah. Oh, it's man. outrageous. Is there is there some bigger play? Uh, that we're not seeing outside of that, you know, because I know it's definitely like a seizure of power, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything bigger that we're not seeing? I, 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 I think we're going to find out. Yeah. We're gonna... It's the kind of thing there. There's no reason to show their hand, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk about that book you, 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 you DM me about. Oh, let me bring it from the, uh, give it to the bedroom one second. He uh, DM me this book. It's called, uh, 
Bible defense of slavery. In the mail today. And uh, I want to go ahead and just read something from the book, uh, just so we can get some context here. Uh, it says, the existence of free blacks in any community, whether free or slave, is universally admitted to be an evil of no minor consideration. Yeah, I haven't read it. I just came in the mail today. So this is from 1853, Bible Defense of Slavery. So we talk, we learned in high school that slave owners used to use the Bible to defend slavery. They never say what the arguments are. So this is the whole book. I got a, a, some, what you know, and, and some people might know, when people come at me on Twitter, I say, you know, it'd be a shame if people gave me money to spend on something I don't really want just to spite you. And people chipped in and I got this book uh, as one of them. So you can see it looks pretty cool on the inside. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's nice. And it's ancient. Just, yeah. It's just, it's going to be disturbing to read. Yeah. Yeah. So you hadn't had a chance to dive into it yet. What, no, made, you wanna, what made you want to get that? You just were curious or because it, it, as you know, and something like the progressives, right? I hate when people look at history in contemporary terms and it's like, you know, if you're reading about 1850, it's not 2020. People have to be looked at in 1850s terms. So whenever you're talking about things like slavery or race or that, I want to hear what they were like. I just read all the parallel Renaissance books from the 20s. I want to hear what the arguments were then, not what you're telling me now the arguments were then, because you're going to be perceiving it very differently than how they were presenting themselves at the time. Especially the thing that's really sick about this book and there's books like this isn't even what it's saying. Although obviously that is. You have to try to imagine what it's like to be in a country where this is a point of view that's like one of the three points of view. Mm. So even if people thought it was horrible, it's still not crazy. It's still not like, oh, no one thinks this. Like to live in a country where let's suppose even 10% of people are like, yeah, this is what I think. It, it's We have to sit and think about what that's like for everyone. Even if you're for total emancipation and for equal rights, you have to live in this country with these people and you have to sit down and argue with them as if they're making sense and as if they're worthy of a response because they have the numbers. So mm. it's very interesting when you read these books, what they do say, what they don't say. Um, and, and a lot of times they're tedious as hell. There's a book I had called The Case for Sterilization. So back in the day in the early 20th century, the eugenics movement, there is a big move for if people were criminals, and this is usually more white people, like white trash. If people were, I hate that term, that's the term. If people were criminals, like to sterilize them so they can't reproduce. Right. And then Hitler really put that into practice and it became kind of taboo. So I'm like, let me read what it was like in the 30s, what arguments they were making before then, right? Let me give them an open mind. Page one. While we don't agree with everything Hitler's doing, I'm like, oh man, I was rooting for you guys. I was hoping that you'd be like, no, he's terrible. That's not what we're about. Page one. I was like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah. So you started looking through this. Is it as disturbing as I think? Um, well, I, I just started reading it. I got through the preface and the introduction and um, I wouldn't say disturbing would be Cause you know me, I'm very objective, right? So yeah. I, I'm looking. I'm, I'm. I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But when I read that line, I was like, "Damn, you don't even think these people deserve to be free?" Like, right. and it says their removal, therefore, is. Oh, let me see what it says. 
Their removal, therefore, is a matter deeply affecting the interests and well-being of both races. <laughs> Their present number and natural increase places this beyond the reach of individual enterprise. I'm gonna fin- I'm gonna actually sit down and read this book because you know I just like to see how these people think. But um, right, that's, and you're not gonna hear it. So that's the other thing that's interesting when you talk about like back in the day, like let's suppose lynching, right? Mm-hmm. People talk about it in contemporary terms about how horrible it is, but they don't talk about how horrible it is. They they Disney make the Disney version. The real version is when people were lynched, they were often dismembered. Yeah. They would literally physically tear these people apart or they would pour gasoline on them and set them on fire. They would make postcards of people being lynched as souvenirs. But people don't talk about that now because it's so disturbing. So they'll talk about how it exists and it's bad because further a contemporary agenda. But in terms of historical accuracy of just how bad, since it's so disturbing, they tone it down. Mm. And that does a huge disservice uh, just to everybody. Mm. Mm. Crazy. Um, Gary Geyser, you said this must be Greek mythology because we get two Titans dealing tonight. Great talk. Cheers. Michael's the Titan. I checked this Wikipedia. I'm like, damn, I got some work to do. <laughs> Solar Bear Foucault is heinous. He said, yes. just wanted to hear him uh, woodshed it. <laughs> Thank yes, you. sir. Uh, Nikita King said, Hotel Book Club. That's a good question. You know, I, I, I'm very interested in this socialism, communism thing, and I want to study like, I love reading old books, right? I hate yes. reading, like, new shit. I love reading, like, if it's published in the 21st century, I'm like, ah. If it's published in the 20th century, I'm like, all right. You know? Um, what's something I should read to really understand the evolution of communism and, and Russian revolution and all of that? Oh, um, there is a great book called Le- uh, there's a biography of Lenin by Victor Sebastian, which is a great one. There's a book called Stalin Court of the Red Czar, which covers his entire period by Montefiore is his name, I believe. And he just talks about, because this is a long time. Stalin's in power, what, 1922? He dies in, I think, 51 or 53. So that's, and you got World War II in there. You've got the Hitler Pact. Um, so, so that covers a lot of what it was like. And so here's the other thing. He had a, like, the thing... Americans don't appreciate how depraved a lot of this was. Stalin had a right man, had man called Beria. And Beria was a torturer. His job was to torture people to get them to confess to things. And he said, find me the man, I'll find you the crime. Mm. Um, and he was also a huge rapist. What he would do is he would kill someone's husband, get her to his house, say, if you fuck me, I will free your husband from jail. The husband's already dead. Uh, and he would often kill the women. In fact, it is Dacha in Russia. They still finding bones in the courtyard. Um, and Stalin knew Stalin's daughter was at Beria's house one day, teenage daughter. And Stalin goes, get out of there right now. So what you have when a country where human beings do not respect life, when everything is allowed, we do not have any appreciation of what it's like when everything is on the table and nothing is held sacred. And this is what they did. And they don't talk about it here because, again, there were so many cheerleaders in the West who are still in power to some extent. Mm. Who, who, is, uh, who should we credit the beginning of this Russian revolution to? I mean, it was Lenin and, and, and um, uh, uh, Trotsky were, were the two big ones. Oh, yeah. And yeah. everyone thought he was a complete lunatic. Yeah. Um, and he was, but he meant what he said. Yeah, yeah. 
So was the royal family really that bad? Tsar Nicholas and all of that? Or? No, right. not at all. I mean, that's the thing. Like the things they would complain about were things like internal passports, uh, censorship. He'd have prison camps, uh, labor camps, uh, lack of food. Everything that he did, they just amped it up to 10. Emma Goldman, she was an early anarchist. She was deported to Russia. She sat down with Lenin. She goes, this is what we were complaining about with the czar. Like, no free speech. This was our big thing that he'd be locking people up. And Lenin's like, oh, free speech is a bourgeois contrivance. Like, I, we can't have it now during the transitional period. It's always a transition, right? They never actually get there. In the transition period, you can do whatever you want. But when we get there, it's going to be free and great. But just stick it out for 100 years. Okay, cool, cool, cool thing. Cool thing, Vlad. <laughs> Yeah. What what do the United States people have to do to? Because I feel like the the it's inevitable what's going to happen with the comment, right? I'm, I'm. Oh no, you're wrong. Good. I'm glad you said that. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. We won. We won before. We're gonna win again. Yes. Wait. When you say we won before, what do you mean by that? The the Soviet Union fell. All those countries mm. freed themselves peacefully, while people were kicking. You know, uh, uh, George H. W. Bush wrote a letter to Gorbachev and said no one is to see the falling apart of the Soviet Union. Like, this is how sick these people were in power. It said but no one what? Wants to see this, the disintegration of the Soviet Union. Oh, wow. The president of the United States is writing this to Gorbachev. Um, a lot of people want to see it, and thankfully they got their dream come true. How? Time. How did they? Because Gorbachev was a great, great, great man. What happened is there was an uprising in Czech Czechoslovakia in 1968. Violent? violent they okay. sent in the tanks in fact in prague to this day the streets are cobblestone so the tanks can crawl over them easier mm. hungary in 1953 there was a revolution 12 days later they were put down violently in the end of the 90s the people started tearing down the berlin wall war uh, wall excuse wall. me borders were getting porous and you had honecker from east germany you had Ceausescu from romania calling in gorbachev being like you got to send in the tanks like these borders are falling apart, the jig is up. And Gorbachev says, I'm not doing it. I'm not sending the tanks. And they go, dude, if you do not send in the tanks, it's all over. He goes, nope. Who wanted them to send the tanks in? Romania, East Germany, these the satellites, you know, the number two, number three, whatever. Okay. And Gorbachev said, no, this is not the Soviet Union's problem. Like you guys figured it out and they were right. All these countries liberated themselves. Some of these people were personally murdered. And it was just a great, great, great thing. And this was funny. Everyone thought it was a trick. Because in these countries, they thought, oh, they're going to let us look like we're freeing ourselves. Then I'm out saying, yeah, we're free. Then the tanks come in and I'm going to be killed with my family. This is just a trap to the kind of like a fumigate house or whatever, weed us out. And when they're like, wait a minute, they're not saying the tanks. Is this, is this for, like they couldn't believe it because for 70 years, it had been under the thumb of the Soviet Union that if the, your government can't handle it, the Soviet Union is going to come in and, and handle it for them. Mm. So I'm thinking we're not about, about this. This was our lifetime. Right. We're not talked about this in the West. So I'm a very nonviolent person, right? Yeah. And, and I be honest, with you, I ain't ready to pick up no gun and shoot nobody. I'm, that's right. just not me. Right. So how does the United States people? Well, well before we get into the how. Is it conservatives that are going to be waging this? Because the leftists seem like they have popularity, right? Like, it looks like they have the majority. Do they have the majority, or is there a silent majority we're not hearing from? The majority doesn't matter. Lenin never had the majority. Bolshevik, it was Bolshevik versus Menshevik, right? Right. Bolshe, Bolshe is Russian for more, 
Mensha is Russian for less. It was a, it was a joke that they were called the Bolsheviks, the Moors, because there were so few of them. And Lenin's like, oh yeah, we're the Bolsheviks, sure, F you. And he seized power. The Constitutional Convention, how many people was that, 100 mm. in Philadelphia? Right. It doesn't matter who has the numbers. The vast majority of people, as I'm sure you've seen, have no mind, and they're just going to follow whoever's in charge and is popular. Right. One year they're going to be this, one year they're going to be that. So as lo- I, and I do think the way forward is peaceful, and the way forward is pointing out these people are evil, they will take everything from you, including your children, and call themselves the good guys. And you don't have to put up with their crap. And the harder and harder it is for them to get over, the easier it will be to defeat them. Because they can say whatever they want. Yeah, It's just their, their ability to implement their ideology that has to be uh, eliminated and destroyed. So this is an intellectual war. It, to, and also, but it's also uh, in terms of just making technology right okay it, it's very hard to censor people effectively now mm. like yet yeah, people get kicked off twitter but in terms of like i can make you basically vanish that's really hard to do mm. even people who shoot up the, the church in new zealand new zealand that guy the mosque excuse me his manifesto was everyone earth in seconds you would think that's the kind of thing where you would want people not to read right but you don't they don't have the technology to make that possible because i can send it to you or anywhere on earth at the speed of light with pressing one button for free. Yeah. So technology is going to be very effective, especially in terms of uh, like their duplicity. If I'm saying to you something, like CNN is a great example, right. you know, talking about like peaceful protests and behind the guys, it's literally buildings on fire. You don't have to have any kind of ideology to look at this and be like, this is someone trying to get over, uh, or at least not making sense. Right, right. Is progressivism synonymous with socialism and communism? They're, they're sisters, but they're not synonymous. I mean, they're not identical. What's the difference? Well, progressivism has, is a, also cultural. Socialism is more is a, is a relationship of government. Progressivism, you could have a progressive view about books where the government's not really involved, right? But it has uh, to fill a certain ideology. Communism is, you know, a totalitarian, complete control of everything. So, I mean, it's, and socialism does tend to be more democratic. Communism tends to be very skeptical of democracy um, and one party rule is its approach, but they're interrelated, certainly. The progressives killed a lot of communists. Harry Truman uh, and Lyndon Johnson certainly had no shortage of uh, so-called communist blood on their hands. Oh, yeah? So, I mean, World War, after World War, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, oh, those yeah, were ostensibly yeah. against communists. Yeah, yeah, true, true, indeed. Okay, but they own mainstream media. Yes. <laughs> um, and have for a long time right and they've completely demonized the right they demonized the hoteps I don't see how we win how the how right okay how about this I think you think winning means you have to control America if you had like Rhode Island and you're left alone I would consider that a winning scenario okay Right. Yes. So, right. So to win, you don't need to, you just need to have a space that is your own, right. Where you are treated with respect or indifference and left alone. And other people have that same freedom to kind of live their lives and not have to deal with their BS. So then it just becomes a method of looking at what tactics they use and rendering those tactics ineffective. And that is increasingly happening. Instead of people sitting down and arguing, being like, well, you're wrong about this issue. It's like, no, 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 you're full of crap. People shouldn't be listening to you as a whole. 
I'm not going to argue with you. It's, it's like a relationship. Instead of saying, oh, did you cheat this time? Did you cheat that time? It's like, oh, you are a cheater or you're a, or a thief or whatever. I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. And it doesn't matter if you did not cheat with this one person or you did not steal this one thing. You are still a bad person that I do not want to have a relationship with. Mm. So we got to put that on blast. And that's happening increasingly, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. I'm still- and also the fact that social media allows so many people to treat these who want to be rulers with contempt because they present themselves with dignity and, you know, like you should, they deserve respect when they're, they're jackasses and are, are, you know, just nasty people and not very bright. And when that's shown, not only is it funny because it drives them crazy, it also takes away a lot of their um, clout. Mm. Because if you and I were talking to someone who's represented as an attorney, we would hear him out, especially when it comes to law. Okay, he's, I'm not an attorney, you're not an attorney. We're gonna listen to the guy. But if it's proven to you that this guy, you know, had a lawsuit where he represented Santa Claus or something and some ridiculous thing, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not listening to you at all. Like, I, even though you probably went to law school and probably do know more about the law than you were being you, I, I'm not hearing what you have to say. So that's kind of the way to look at it. You know, my, my thing is I'm looking at black people, right? And I'm looking at how they view Trump and how yeah. they view politics. And I have conversations with them. And I'm just like, I feel like we we are lost. <laughs> like, 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 and I see it with white people too, but I'm more specifically talking about my people. Yeah. But it's just like the majority of them are completely conditioned and brainwashed by the progressive media. And I'm like, how do I combat that? How do I get through to a black person who even in my own family, if I walk, like if I go to my, 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 my family, right, I am outnumbered and there's nobody on my side. You know, I'll be 50 people in a house and it's me by myself. 50 to one. Yeah. If I go to my family union, it's going to be 100 to one. So I'm thinking like, how do you uncondition these people? Because they've done such a great job conditioning these people, which is why I don't have such an optimistic outlook in the short term. You're, it's also, here's another thing you're up against, is it's expensive to be, let's suppose 99 out of 100 people are thinking something completely crazy. It's really socially expensive for you to be that one person to be like, no, you're all wrong, because now you're a freak and an outsider. So th- the truth in some sense becomes secondary, because I would just, look, I don't care about this argument or another, I want to be where the numbers are, just in terms of getting along and not having headaches. So that's a very effective technique that is used as a mechanism of obtaining control. If instead of it having two choices, have one choice where there's a lot of benefits, another choice where there's an enormous cost, including ostracism, and a lot of people are just going to be like, I don't care about this one way or another, but if I have to choose between ostracism and benefits, I'm going to choose benefits every time. Right, right. And if I just have to smile and nod and repeat what I see on the TV, well, everyone else is doing it. So it's not like I'm going to look, be looked at as like a freak. Right, right. Damn. I saw something in the timeline the other day. I'm not going to give my opinion. I want to see what you say first. Um, they said they don't like the two-party system, which I agree with. Okay. But they proposed a two-state system or a two-state idea. That was, I think that was Pasovic? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? I, I wrote a piece on this in 2016 that America should break up. 
Okay. Um, I think we've had at least two cultures in this country since the beginning. There's absolutely no reason for us to be all stuck together. If you as a person despise Trump with every fiber of your being, as is your right, why do you want to have him be your president? Mm. Why not have his people have him be the president? And you could have whoever you like, Biden, Hillary, I don't care, and go our separate ways. Mm. And they never have a good argument. They're only one of their big things is kind of like still they still fight. Like I had this fun tweet, like I'm not surprised the Democrats are still fighting the Civil War until they win it. Um, because they want to have the South around so they could, because if they're, the South is bad and I'm not the South, therefore I'm good. It's just the logic, right? Mm. If they're the racist ones, I can't be racist because they're the racist and I'm not them. That's how they think, right? Right. So if the South were to go away, all of a sudden you're going to have a lot of questions and have to address things on your own terms. And that's something they would not like to have. Mm. So I think it's absolutely a great idea to separate out. I think there's two entirely different worldviews even if there's at least two, even if both sides were looking at things fairly and objectively and acting in good faith, which I don't think they are. So I, I think that's a great idea. And the fact that I could kind of be the one to start putting that idea to the consciousness and having it become normalized is something I'm very excited about. Mm, yeah, that's an interesting take. If I waved the magic wand right now and made you president of the United States of America, what would you do in your first 30 days? Uh, tanks in Harvard Yard. Wait, what? Um, Send the tanks into Harvard Yard. What's Harvard Yard? The, the university? Yeah. <laughs> uh, send the tanks to Harvard Yard. Um, I would be freeing a lot of people from jail. I would be um, demonopolizing. I would certainly, I would eliminate education as much as I could from the government. Um, I would uh, strongly do what I can to repeal all Second Amendment restrictions, uh, bring all the troops home uh, immediately um those are some of the first things i would start doing you plan on running anytime in the future oh, God. <laughs> why not because <laughs> cardio cardio kills gains <laughs> cardio kills gains only michael malice would have a response like that <laughs> yeah people always ask me like you know what do you i'm like i feel like if I took that spot, let's say I became president, I feel like I'd have less power than I would outside yes, the White House. You would. You would. I, hear, I just said this on Twitter. I bet you agree. Trump is going to have an easier time holding the Republicans in line if he was voted out on Twitter than as president. Because on Twitter, he gets to yell at them and call them whatever he wants and hold them accountable. Yeah. As president, he's got to have to be nice to them to some extent. Uh, yeah, you're true. That's true. That's true. That's deep. That's deep. Um. Shout out to Malham. He said, I fucking love this guy. Um, damn. Okay. I, I like the two state solution because I feel like that's the beginnings of breaking this thing up. Like, I feel like it should yeah. be more than two, right? Um, but I, I love the idea because that's the beginning of breaking this stuff up. Now, you mentioned removing the government from education. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Like school choice, allowing people? Or... Yeah, just private private education. I mean, this is this school, public schools teach kids that their self-esteem has to be a function of some random adult at the front of the room. Yeah. Like I got to have your approval to tell me that I've learned something. Uh, I'm, I'm the idea that everyone has to go to work at the same time. This is the corporate idea. You'll learn that in school. No one doubts that everyone learns things in different ways. Some people learn through listening. Some people learn through reading. Some people learn through doing. Everyone has to learn the same way. Everything in class that makes no sense in our contemporary technology School is the only place where if you are someone who's the target of violence 
other than your family, where you have to be locked into this building with them for years other than prison. Mm. Uh, it's not a healthy environment. It's, it's designed to break, especially talented young kids and make them submissive and weak uh, and, and not stick out. It's horrible in every way. I, I think teachers are really, really horrible people for the most part. And you know why? Because when someone feels need to tell you how great they are all the time, you should be a little bit skeptical. This, this is not usually, unless they're like some kind of boxer or something, this is not usually accurate when an entire, and that's the other thing. They talk about how great they are and how their sacrifices as if all of us don't have intimate experience for years with many examples of this profession. Yeah. You know, at, at when we're at the, our most naive and trusting. So I, I think it, it tracks a very bad type of personality and has very, very bad consequences. Isn't it interesting that you graduate school learning about uh, how to calculate the due point where the due forms, but you're not taught how to fill out an income tax return or what deductions are. You're not taught rules of logic and argumentation, like the logical fallacies. I think that's very interesting uh, that you're taught certain things that are useless um, that you will, you certainly won't retain. I learned how to, you know, calculate a comet's path, and it, sure, I could figure that out now if I had to again. But there's so many things I was never taught, uh, and I don't think that's by accident. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I look at the the school system, and I'm like, some children have an affinity for certain subjects. Yes. And I feel like those children should just be identified early. And if you're great at math, and we put you in majority of math classes. And if you're good at science, we put you, you know, like. Yes, of course. And then the absence of the sun locked in this yeah. building, right? Like, I remember back in Greece, man, you was outside chilling at class, you know? And I don't think, I don't think they take children outside enough for class. What about the fact that, like, you have me all day and then I got to go home and do more work for you? Who the hell are you? Like, that's very corporate, this idea that your own personal time is in your own, that you belong to somebody else. That's really a, a very horrific lesson. That is corporate. That's exactly yes, what that very is. very corporate, yes. It's designed to train you that even after you leave, you yes. still have to work for somebody else. Yes, you on still your belong to them. Yeah, and, yes. get, and getting used to working on your personal time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, school is definitely training for the corporate world. Yeah. You know, and to be happy about it. Yeah. And it also teaches the kids to keep the other kids in line. Ooh. And they've done that to me. The kids did keep me in oh, check. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I noticed that. That's a good point. They tried to do that with me. Yeah? What were you like in high school? Oh, there was a book written about me. I was a real troublemaker. Um, and I was good at it. <laughs> because one of the things that you're taught in a Russian household is you're not going to have respect for that person in the front of the room. They got to prove themselves because mm. nine times out of 10, which we all have seen that person who's leading a seminar or whatever is usually a jackass yes. or just someone of marginal intelligence and not a quality human being. Mm. There's one time out of 10, they're going to be amazing and life altering nine out of 10, you know, you play roulette, you know where the number is going to be. And I had no time for that. And this was something that was you know, an issue with teachers, with principals, and I had no pretense of having any kind of affinity or respect for these people. At the same time, I was doing well in school because of my intelligence and whatever. So this was a big issue for them because I wasn't like some kind of, you know, slacker who they could kind of expel or, you know, humiliate. But at the same time, I was not suffering them at all. And I'm very, very glad in retrospect that that was the path I took 
instead of smiling and nodding and pretending that these horrible people were good people. Mm, mm. That's the other thing. A lot of times people on Twitter, do you get the salsa? They'd be like, oh, I bet you got your ass kicked in high school. No one ever stepped to me in high school ever. It's a very weird backstory they feel they need to invent. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was talking to somebody the other day. Oh, Donovan Sharp. He was like, yeah, you know, he's talking about bullying, getting bullied in high school. I'm like, I didn't get bullied in high school. Yeah. I was a ladies' man. I, you know, all the girls loved me. <laughs> you know, like, I was cool. You know, I had my group of friends and I didn't have problems. You know, I, and like you, I was a troublemaker. I started with the yep. teachers. Um, yep. And my dad taught me to question authority. You yep. know, my dad was from Jamaica. So, you know, similar to like your Russian upbringing, you're, you're taught to question authority, which yep. is great. Um, and so when I had a teacher who I didn't respect, my grades reflected, or if I had a teacher who didn't respect me, my grades reflect. Yeah. But if there was a mutual respect, oh man, I was an A student. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Miss Hibbert was my uh, seventh grade teacher, taught me English. Love that white woman to death, man. She was one of those like old school teachers, schoolhouse yeah. teachers. Yeah. It's why is it of value to me? that you random lady uh thinks i understand this subject i don't care what you think about my understanding of the subject and this subject is something i know you know like early on like we'd be learning something at school and like my parents didn't know it or there would be a joke on tv where the character didn't know it i go why am i learning this if adults don't need to know this mm. and it's true real mm. talk real talk um Eliza Blue asked me to ask you about human trafficking. Yeah. Um, why does she ask me? Ask me why? Why does she ask me to ask you that? Is there something you? Is that something you talk about often? Or I mean, I don't. Well, you're going to talk to her about it because she was trafficked. Yeah. So this right. is her big subject. Right. Um, I don't know that I have any particular insight to discuss. I was on Rogan not that long ago, and I was talking to my friend who was sexually abused as a kid, and how it's important for more people who have been victims of this to be able to come out and not be treated like freaks or like damaged birds. Mm. You know, if you, you and I said, oh, my mom was an alcoholic or my brother you know, used to beat me as a kid, people would understand what that means and know how to talk to you. But if we hear someone with sexual abuse as a kid, we freak out and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then that means that victim has to keep his mouth shut because he didn't want to freak out his friends and that you know, perpetuates for their lifetime. And that's not right. And that's something that has to change. Uh, very quickly. So I think that's maybe what she was alluding to there. Mm. Did you notice Ghislaine Maxwell kind of disappeared from the media? Oh, what about the, what about all, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It was just amazing. Bye. How is it, here's another one. How is it there's no perp walk on her or or Epstein? Like they give did just, uh, Roger Stone? Yeah, give me one reason, a stupid reason, why there's no perp walk. And we know it, what uh, where they were supposedly held. We know what they were, it was downtown Manhattan. We have the perp walk on Harvey Weinstein. We have the perp walk on literally everyone. Every celebrity who's powerful, we see them getting the Cosby. Yeah. If there's one person you would think that they'd give the dignity of not having the perp walk, it's America's dad. Nope, he's got the perp walk. Right. Why right. do we have it for them? Yeah, that's crazy. We have the photo of, of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed being arrested. Who? Remember his, uh, the guy from behind, he did 9-11. He's in his undershirt. You know, he's all hairy. Okay. We have his, we have his picture being arrested. Mm. Why do we have pictures of these people getting arrested? Mm. I don't, I don't, I'm not even saying it's a conspiracy. Right. I'm saying I've never even heard a stupid reason. Right. No one said, oh, it's because under this law, they're going through this back entrance. No one's even said anything like that. I don't, I don't, I have no, I just think it's very, very odd. Yeah. 
So, and if you're Jelaine Maxwell, uh-huh. sorry to interrupt you, and you know there's warrants, right? You know this isn't minor like parking ticket stuff. You know Epstein died in jail. Why are you in New Hampshire? Mm. That makes no sense to me. As opposed to any country that's an extradition to America. Right, you're, right. You're extremely wealthy. Yeah. Why didn't you get go out on of a here? Yacht, yeah, go on a yacht, be in the middle of the ocean, get your tan on, and then live your life. That mm-hmm. may, why would uh, New Hampshire? You're a multimillionaire. You're like, crap, I better be in New Hampshire. What? Who hides out in New Hampshire? <laughs> I mean, I must, uh, does this make any sense to anybody? Maybe she's so confident she'll get off. Yeah, but why? Listen, you and I both know that that is not a game you want to play. That's that true. You, you do not want to roll those dice that right. you get in the hands of cups on you. It's, 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 not a, it's not a birthday cake party at the end, no matter mm. what happens, at the best case. Mm. Now, mm. the thing is, she could have said, she could have cut a deal saying, I'm going to turn myself in, give you the names and blah, blah, blah. You do it this way. That makes sense to me. Okay. But the cover story doesn't make sense to me. Oh, oh, damn. Um, the Hillary thing, okay, the, yeah. the, what's going on with that, right? Like, because I know she got out of appearing in court miraculously. Is that, did that happen? Was that the latest that she got out of it? That was September 9th. She was a, supposed to appear in court. Yeah. And her people did some attorney finagling and miraculously, she didn't have to appear in court. She didn't have to testify. In court. Wow. I did not hear the latest. I know that they had they said she was going to have to give a deposition. Holy crap. Yes. Not, not I, a surprise. Yeah, I was all over that thing. I'm like, September 9th, September 9th. And it was like, I think September 6th or the 5th. They're like, oh, yeah, no, she hasn't got up here. I'm like, yo, <laughs> how does she have so much power, yo? That That's how it's like George Carlin line. It's a it's a big club and you ain't in it. You know, <laughs> it's it's they look out for each other. She was never going to jail. I mean, it was a good line. He had those debates, but none of these people ever have consequences. Very few. Epstein, sure, and Weinstein and, and Cosby uh, and people like that. But when you're her, when you're a top politician, Obama's secretary of state, you're, that's not going to ever happen. So Hunter Biden, he admitted to the New Yorker magazine that he was a crackhead, that he would. And he said where and when he bought crack. How is he not in jail? This is a huge felony. Biden and he's laughing that? about Biden's son, Hunter. Oh, oh, Hunter, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to buy crack on this corner in, in L.A. It's like, we have the time of the date and a confession to a felony. And you're like, well, uh, no consequences. What club do they belong to? Like rich people or? Like, like rich, powerful government people, yeah. So, but there's righteous government people, too. So how do you, is, is there, like, where? Oh, oh you, uh, Ron Paul? He's not in the government, though. Rand Paul? Yeah, Rand Paul, sure. I'll give you Rand Paul. Yeah. Uh, Ross Perot? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> yeah, he did that. Damn, I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. Shit. But he was at one point, wasn't he like... Yeah, but do you know why... He, do you remember why he dropped out? No. Ross Perot, in 92, ran against Clinton and Bush. During that summer, he was leading in the polls. Then he dropped out because he said the Republicans are going to do a trick where they're going to say my daughter's a lesbian. Wow. And I don't know if he was lying. <laughs> Look oh it up. I remember gosh. it vividly. And everyone at the time was like, is he crazy? Is he, is he crazy or is he telling the truth? Right, right. Um, so what do you make of uh, the uh, presidential election uh, this year? Um, any predictions, any thoughts on it? 
Yeah, five minutes ago, five minutes ago, we were all discussing how Biden's people were going to refuse to do any debates. And then a week later, Trump is saying, understandably, I'm not doing another debate on, that's not in person. That's not the, that wasn't what we agreed to. Right. We got a few weeks before November 3rd, whatever the date is, something really big is going to happen because things are getting so crazy so quickly. So it could be, I, I, if I had to guess, I'm going to make my prediction. We have Biden, we have Trump, we have Justice Breyer, who's 83. I predict by November 3rd, one of those people will be with us. I'm gonna guess Biden. I don't know who. I'm just saying that's my prediction. One of those three won't be here. Well, one of those three will not be here. Yeah. That's Holy my prediction. crap! Trump, Biden, and who? Justice Breyer. He's 83, Supreme Court. Why do you say that? Because things have been so crazy, and escalating the craziness. Yeah. I'm like, what would make it even crazier? And uh. that's the only thing I could think of. Where if we lose one of those three, and mm. then it's complete bedlam. Because no one knows what to do yeah. in that case. Um, is that natural causes or is it? I don't it... know. I have no idea. I'm just saying that's if you're asking me to make a crazy prediction, that's my prediction. Wow. Damn. And yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I want nothing but long life and health for everybody. Right, almost. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, damn, I missed a bunch of super chats here. Let me read those real quick. Oh, um, okay. Michael H.A., thank you for this. Shout out to Darian Gario, Matthew Erickson. When are we getting the Malice H.J. Uh, Moldbug roundtable? Oh, God, that would be great. That's not a bad question at all. Who's Moldbug? Then just Moldbug? Yeah. You need to read my book, sir, or listen to the audio book. I suck at life. Could, I have not gotten could, your book. If you yet. could stand this voice for like 40 hours, however <laughs> long it is. Yeah. I'm gonna make that happen. I'm so yes, sorry. Yes, you you will you will enjoy it. I promise. I know I will. Um, Markel Fowler, nine ninety nine. Thank you, uh, Ken. He said I agree with secession, um, but I'm concerned about the UN and others taking advantage of that separation of power. Thoughts? Uh, that's a valid concern. Yeah. The UN is a dangerous agency that really is doing a lot of harm to a lot of countries right now mm. through the guise of charity, because mm. all the charity comes with strings attached. Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, you know, I need to tell you. Um, uh, who was it I had on last week? Um, a, he he was basically talking about um. Damn. Um, somebody said yes. Mo book. Um, Jeff Curtis. How many in school suspensions did Mike have? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Zero. They don't sus they don't suspend white people. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay. I had one. <laughs> Oh, and one out of because you're Jamaican. <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble in high school. Um, damn. Um, now I lost my thought. He says secession, UN taking advantage of separation of power. Um, damn, I lost my train of thought. Um, who did I have on last week? Who did I have on last week, y'all? Smoke too much goddamn weed. I quit last week. I'll be back on it next next week though. Yeah, that's the problem. You quit. <laughs> that is the problem. If if I was on it. Then, then, um, you know, I'd be straight. Hold on. I just want to yeah. make sure I get this right. Um, oh, not, not Curtis, not Curtis school. Adam Curry is who I Oh, have. yeah, he's great. Yeah. Adam Curry. Very great. Um, but hopefully, hopefully that thought will come back to me. Um, anyway, BLM, Black Lives Matter, yeah. Antifa, George Soros. Um, 
how long are they going to be around for? Uh, as long as they're useful. Um, you know what I mean? They serve a purpose. Uh, don't I think you remember it's not that long ago when the corporate press was making fun of Black Lives Matter. Remember? Oh, look at these assholes. They're in the restaurants yelling. They're blocking traffic. And now, oh, yeah, we're all about it. Oh, and they'll yeah. be in the garbage tomorrow. Oh, I forgot about that. Of course, yes. Antifa didn't exist two years ago. And now they'll tell you, oh, yeah, they've been around, but they're the good guys. Or they don't really exist at the same time. So these groups, as they're like any, you got a toolbox. They got a toolbox. If it serves a purpose, yep, we're going to use them. If it serves top purpose, oh, it's in the garbage. Mm, damn, deep, man. Deep. Does anyone, this is the thing that conservatives don't get. Do conservatives really think Amazon really cares about black lives or all these companies? Like, are you really this stupid that all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, they don't care. They just don't want to be the first ones to stick out and get in trouble. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a, a corporate sponsorship. Of course. Yes. Yeah. It's a corporate sponsorship. I, I would, it was just, I just had this on my Instagram. I, if you could try it, the gum, right? Yeah. For some reason now on Trident. It's some random black chick is her picture on it. It's like, show your support for black lives by buying this shitty gum with the black lady on the label. What the hell does that have to do with anything? What does this have to do with black people? Yeah. It's just, it's in the, it's your gum now. Yeah. yeah. It's just complete corporate BS. I, I uh, turned on the game Call of Duty and it had Black Lives Matters a bunch ago when they first did it. My son asked me, he said, because, you know, I educate my kids. And they think it's funny. Like, why does it say Black Lives Matter on the screen? And um, I'm like, because they don't want to lose money. Yeah. And that's that's basically what this comes down to. Shout out to Liza Blue, just sent it a super chat. Eliza will be on. Eliza, when are you on? Uh, November, you're coming on my channel? Uh, for, I believe, first week in November, right before the election, she'll be on. That's going to be amazing. We're going to talk human trafficking. We're talking about scumbag pedophiles and uh, a whole bunch of great stuff for her. Um, she's a survivor of human trafficking. That's going to be great. Oh, my God, Puppy said, if we split up, Wyoming and Dakotas will be with us. And that's where all the nukes are. But the progressives won't, progressives won't leave us alone. They won't tolerate a non-progressive state. Hmm. They don't care about other countries. You know what I mean? Like if you talk like 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 um uh like foreign affairs, they don't really they care about Sweden maybe a little bit as an example of what we should follow. They don't care about uh, Australia, Asia, Africa, South. They don't care. They care about taking control of this country and controlling every aspect of it. How often do you hear them talk about Canada? Never. Right. Or, or even they only care about Mexico because people are getting deported to Mexico. They never care about, like, let's make Mexico better for Mexicans. Right. They never, ever, ever, ever. Instead of it being like, OK, you don't want people to get deported. Trump doesn't want people coming in here. Why don't we help and make it so their homes are nice so they're not tempted to come here? And then maybe it'll be cheaper for us. It would be better for them. They don't think of those terms. They don't care. They only care about Mexicans when they're in America as a means to attack the president. Uh. Damn. So what's up with these rhinos? Like, like what role do they play in all of this? They seem to be quite useless. If you are a male, especially, who brings nothing to the table, this is your best bet to achieve any kind of status. To kind of be like the, the opposition on paper, but you're not really putting up much of a fight. Mm. You know, it's like if you want to impress your girl and you hire some dude to come in there and start a fight with you, and then you shove him and he runs away. You look like the badass. He gets his money. She's impressed. But it's just a con. Mm, they're, they're grifting. 
Yeah, you don't think? Hedging their bets. You don't think you think Mitt Romney has any kind of principles at all? He just switched up and went like, did he co-sign Biden? Uh, did he already? Uh, I, oh, I didn't know that. Oh man. I think yeah. I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, chat, but I think uh, he he endorsed Biden. Um, I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but I want to say that is true. Um, and then they had like a whole bunch of Republicans come out the other day and say, hey, you know, we're not dealing with Trump. Yeah, that I knew, but that th- these are like nobodies. These are not like people because under Trump's power, no one cares about them. So they'd rather be like third place under that scheme than last place under Trump. Yeah. I feel like Republicans and Democrats as politicians are basically just Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. They, they, the corporate power behind the Democratic Party is a lot stronger than people realize. Okay. You remember they sat down for a Super Tuesday. They called up Klobuchar. They mm-hmm. called up Kamala Harris. They called up Buttigieg. They said, here's what's going to be. Biden's the nominee. So you're going to end your campaign right now. You're getting a plane and you're going to go endorse him. And they said, yes, sir. And they all did it. And overnight, uh, Bernie, who had been first in every poll in every state, lost. They took it from him brazenly. And that's because the corporate powers behind the Democratic Party were like, we're not having this Democratic Socialist, whatever you want to call him, as the nominee. We're not playing that game. Yeah. We're the ones who are running the show. Why because they want because it's much more effective for them to have a corporate America, which okay. runs on their BS, and to have a communist one where they're also up against the wall. Uh, I, I see. I see. Yeah, screwed up, man, what they do to Bernie, man. Like, and yes. it's, it's just funny to me. Public. That, publicly. Yes. And it's crazy to me that like everybody who calls themselves a liberal, democrat, progressive, socialist, they sit there and they watch the DNC snub this guy every single time and yeah. still don't call out the DNC and still let this shit go, get away. What do you want me to do? Vote Trump? It's like you don't have to vote Trump to say this is screwed up. Right. They don't think in those terms. I feel like they don't think at all. I, I feel because, like because they went to public school and they were trained not to think at all. I was just about to say these are your choices and you got to make one of these two choices. Mm. And if you're not, you're a troublemaker. Right. Why would you want to be a troublemaker? No one likes a troublemaker. Yeah. It seems like like conservatives are construction workers, you know, small business people and liberals and progressives are university people work at corporations. Yeah. Yes. Amen. You nailed it. Right. And, And it's funny because the black ones are complaining about oppression. And I'm like, dude, you work at like the top university or they the top They are the whitest of all of them. They are as white as it gets because they're culturally entirely white. Yes, yes, they are. And you hear how they talk. It's the code switching. You saw Obama do it also. When he's in, in, the, in Chicago, he talks a certain way. Everywhere else, he's Mr. Ivy League. Yeah. It's completely phony. Yeah. I'm like, y'all over here complaining. Y'all talking bad about the hoteps. I'm like, you literally have the job I would love to have. <laughs> and are doing everything to make sure that you don't have that job and people who think like you. Yeah. There's um, room for one. I'm here. I'm going to close the door behind me. Right. Which That's is, how it works. Which is why I'm so thankful for you, man, because you really broke me onto the scene, man. Oh, well, thank you. That's awesome. How'd you get into the, the, the uh, business of being behind the camera? Or in front of the uh, camera. In front of the camera, yeah. The space should be behind the camera, maybe. Um, face for radio. No, the North Korea book, um, the Dear Reader, was the one that kind of put me on the map. And knowing how to flap my gums is also useful. Most people don't know how to have a conversation, as I'm sure you've seen uh, your yeah. career as well. Yeah. 
So somebody approached you and said, "Hey, we want to give you this position." And well, no, I did the book, and then I got on uh, Kennedy's show, The Independence on Fox Business, and then it's just about you know people see you and they want to talk to you, and it's it's hard to find people who are engaging and can be quick on their feet and kind of clever yeah. and talk on a variety of subjects. So Compound Media signed you first? Compound, yeah, Compound was first, then I did Gas. I just left Compound um, and, and uh, just to work on my next book. And now you're at Gas? I'm at Gas, yeah. And you have two shows there? Just the one. I ended, I, I ended uh, so it's just You're Welcome. Just You're Welcome now? Yeah. Okay, so you were able to take your own intellectual property, move it from Compound, and yeah, and you own that? That's me, yep. That's dope. That's dope. Thank you know, you. some people don't get that luxury. <laughs> it's, and, and, and they should uh, um, be very grateful. And you and I are both, I know, very grateful for the opportunities we've had. And don't take it for granted. Absolutely. And Absolutely. we resent those who try to minimize those for other people. Right, right, indeed. Um, thank you for coming through tonight. Be respectful of your time. 90 minutes is up. Um, when, do we, when can we expect that next book? Oh, I, I'm busting my ass right now. It's going to be amazing. Okay. When it's go. It's exactly the kind of things that everyone should know and no one did know. But it's also about the victory of good versus evil. Right, right. That's dope. So 2021? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The, the new right. What can I expect to read? What am I going to get from that when I read about that? You said, I, I'm not going past the sale. You said you're going to read it, so go read it. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. Matter of fact, I'm going to Amazon right now. I just, I'm going to Amazon. Hit the buy button. Torrent it. That's fine. You don't even have to buy it. No, buy no, it. I, no, I need physical because Amazon one day, you know, Amazon, they call their, their app uh, Kindle. Yeah. Kindle means fire. Yeah. So they're going to burn <laughs> all of our books one day. So I'm going to go ahead and get The New Right by Michael Mouse. It'll be shipped here in in a few days. Michael Malice, thank you very much. I'm going to read your book and devour it. I just read Thaddeus Russell's book. That was great, too. That was a great, great one. Have you read the, I'll give you one more recommendation. Have you read the Big C Langston Hughes' autobiography? You and I talked about it before, I think. Nah. That's the one. That's the one. The Big C? Yeah, it's his autobiography. It's really, really good. Okay. In terms of talking about race back then. Right. Because he's very matter-of-fact about it. So when he's not angry as the narrator, you get angry watching what he saw because it's so hurtful, but he's so calm about it. So it's very moving. Ah, uh, dope, dope. Langston Hughes, uh, OG, legend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Harlem, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you studied the Harlem Renaissance, you said. There, I read all those books, and a lot of them are better than others, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> dope. Um, we'll be talking again. Yes, sir. I'm going to bring you back on when I have another talk because hour and a half is just not enough. Um, but thank you for your time tonight, man. You be blessed. I'm going to go ahead and uh, close out the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. Take care, man. All right, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the Michael Malice. Um, super intelligent dude, yo. You know, um, I like to think of myself intelligent. People say I'm intelligent and, you know, they want to put me on the level of Michael Malice. I am not as knowledgeable as Michael Malice, especially when it comes to history or U.S. history. A lot of the stuff he was saying tonight went straight over my head. I'm not even going to lie to you. I'm going to have to like sit down and go over this stuff and take notes and study. But I love to study. So I love, you know, you say you always got to pick the brains of people that are better than you, smarter than you and know more than you. Um, so, you no, know, that's exactly um, why I love having Michael Malice around. It's a pleasure. 
Uh, like I said, this podcast is going to be available on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Jazzy. <laughs> 90 minutes is definitely not enough. This podcast is going to be available on um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And I'm going to work on getting it on the other network. So that's good news now. So you don't have to listen to it. Um, Hotep and Bill. You don't have to listen to it on SoundCloud. I know some of you guys don't listen to the poverty. <laughs> uh, let me just close out reading these super chats. Um, Aztec Mega said, Hotep to the people who can't stick around. We'll catch the replay. Just want to show some support. Thank you, bro. Uh, hello, 7068. He said, have you ever had a good teacher that treated you with respect, Mr. Mallet? Sorry, I didn't get a chance to read that to him. Uh, Markel Fowler, he said, hey, Mike, you probably answered this, but how does anarcho anarchical uh, society protect against hostile takeover or cannon? Thanks. Thanks. Love you both. I, I wish I would ask him that question. We're going to save that for the next one. Really, really good question. Uh, Solar Bear, he said, are Billy Crystal and other neocons Trotskyites? <laughs> That's a good question. Robert Grabman said, great discussion. Markel, your question about how to insulate anarchical society from hostile takeover um, is, you know, it's a very difficult task. Um, it's going to take, you know, it, I, I think about this a lot. And I always come back to Animal Farm. And I feel like there has to be some sort of statement that's made. Like, but it's like, when I think of it, you know, like I, like I say, you know, one thing I would say is there should be no laws, right? But that's the same thing the Constitution said, <laughs> as Michael Mattis, Malice brought up tonight. So it's just like, ah, you know, um, I don't think there's no surefire way other than get your gat <laughs> and get your guns and arm up. They take that two way away. That's your ass. Mortal Thinker said, great show, HJ. Thanks for all the informative interviews you do. Truth is needed in an age of lies hell yeah um so i have a great schedule coming up this week uh let me go ahead and just read off my schedule so you guys have it here you listen back to the podcast you know to check back with us so last week was curtis school last friday if you missed that go listen to that epic conversation uh mo facts this friday 7 p.m make sure y'all check that out that's going to be another epic interview i got cooley bravo cooley bravo is a, a vice lord he's a he, he's a gang member um, from Chicago. So we'll be talking Chicago gangs and violence and politics with Cooley Bravo. He's also a rapper. You know, go ahead and pull up Cooley Bravo, listen to his music. So you're familiar with his music. I love his two albums he's got out. Um, the second one is, is, is really good work. Uh, the first one's just different from the second, um, but I, I, I love the project. Uh, Friday, we have Cabo Kamene. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday the 30th, we have Cabo Kamene. Uh, and he's going to be talking solar energy. He has a presentation he's going to give. And then uh, Eliza Blue is actually after elections, I'm sorry, which is so that's going to make it very interesting. And she'll be coming on Friday the 6th, uh, uh, Friday the 6th of November uh, at 7 p.m. That was another uncomfortable conversation. Thank you very much. Before you leave, subscribe. If you listen to this on Apple or Spotify, subscribe, follow, and uh, I'll be back with another one. Love y'all.